This conversation originally aired on Koinonia, which can be heard Monday through Friday at 2 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360 in Phoenix or online at faithtalk1360.com. You know, there's this little story that's been going around uh, the news of late, and it has to do with religious freedom in America. Kentucky clerk Kim Davis, she's out of jail for now. Uh, Christians, a lot of my friends, a lot of you listening, grappling with the fact that an American ended up in prison because of her deeply held Christian convictions. What does this mean for religious freedom in our nation? And uh, I can think of no one better to address this from Focus on the Family, Bruce House Connect. Uh, Bruce, thank you again for joining us as a, a judicial analyst. Let's start with that. What say you on uh, this? And uh, as you've been discussing it, literally all over the country. Well, it is an interesting situation, isn't it? Uh, this Kim Davis, county clerk of Rowan County, Kentucky, who uh, said that issuing uh, same-sex marriage licenses would violate her conscience. And she ended up in jail for five days because uh, she violated a direct order of a federal court judge uh, to, to violate her conscience. Uh, and, uh, and here we are. Five days later, her deputy clerks have instead issued the uh, marriage certificates or the marriage licenses, I should say, to the same-sex couples that brought the suit. So they're taken care of. They, they're going to go get married. And, and presumably, because of that, the federal court then lifted its contempt order that forced her to jail. And she's a free woman again, but her attorney says nothing's changed. Her conscience is still her conscience. And if she's forced to violate it, she will not do so. Mm-hmm. So it's and interesting. It, from a, a legal standpoint, strictly talking law here, is there a foundation for her jailing? That is part of what I what I've heard phrased as the awesome powers of the federal courts, <laughs> they there is no law she has violated, but uh, the judges at the federal district court level have contempt powers. They can that's true. They can issue things to enforce what is uh, in essence a rebellious act that occurred right in front of them, and that that uh, essentially in this case means that she refused to obey his direct order. Mm-hmm. So uh, she, he gives her a chance to uh, reconsider, and if she refuses, then he has some options. He could have fined her, or he can actually jail her, which is a, supposed to be the extreme choice and option, uh, not the first choice, which is what he used in this case. It seems to be, and uh, I don't want to get off on the politics side of this, but that is why I am always talking about there is no unimportant elected official. Uh, it just simply isn't uh, anywhere that you're voting anytime. You need to be informed. You need to be registered to vote. You need to cast your ballot. All right, Bruce. <clears throat> now I am going to hit you with what I have been hit with as well. Romans 13, 1 through 7. Every person is to be in subject, uh, subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God. So... As a Christian, following the law, you know, the whole render under Caesar, what is Caesar's, gets thrown out there a lot. How's that dialogue going? I had a professor 
uh, in uh, a course on interpreting the Bible. And what he said is when you read a, a line of Scripture, you need to read it in context with the paragraph that it's in, the chapter that it's in, the book that it's in, the testament that it's in, and then in with regard to the Bible as a whole. If you take that verse and um, and read it in context with what the rest of Scripture says, you will notice that on many occasions, uh, both Jesus and his uh, disciples violated the laws of the state. In fact, Jesus was executed uh, for violating a Roman law uh, that said only Caesar can be a king. So I would, I would point anyone who wants to argue that, I would point them to in the direction of reading Martin Luther King's letters from a Birmingham jail mm -hmm. in which he, he quotes um, Augustine who said that uh, your, uh, your responsibility as a Christian is only to uh, obey just laws and that an unjust law is no law at all. Mm -hmm. And and Martin Luther King uh, went on to explain to uh, the pastors in the Birmingham area why he was in jail, why he wouldn't obey the law, and I think he did a pretty good job of doing that. And I, I would ask Christians everywhere to uh, follow his example and and uh, think about the difference between a just and an unjust law. And one more point about context: we're talking about Paul writing this, right? I mean, <laughs> Paul. It's like, do you think he was, anyway, uh, I could get well down that road. Uh, this situation has brought a very, very bright and uh, powerful spotlight to this issue. This isn't an issue that's going to go uh, quietly into the night. We knew that when the decision was announced from the Supreme Court. We, we knew this was going to happen. What can we do? I would say the first thing to do is recognize as a nation that there's a way to accommodate a religious conscience that goes contrary to uh, the Supreme Court's ruling. Our nation was founded on religious conscience and the differences in conscience between what the state requires and what a person's conscience requires. It's built into the fabric of our laws. The First Amendment is a conscience law that allows the state to grant or the courts to grant exemptions, accommodations to um, uh, believers of a different in a different uh, point. They're built into um, our federal and state laws in terms of abortion. Government-run hospitals, doctors can opt out of doing abortions. Well, some could say, hey, it's their job to perform abortions as a government-paid employee. But the state and the federal government have passed laws saying, no, in this case, we'll recognize an accommodation. That can be done here with regard to same-sex marriage. North Carolina passed a law that allows uh, their magistrates to opt out of performing marriages. Um, you have other states, Utah has passed a, a law that also does it. So it's easily doable. Kentucky could do it and this problem would go away. Bruce House Connect, judicial analyst for Focus on the Family, my guest here on Koinonia. Uh, Bruce, when I was in the Army, I was, uh, I was in the Calvary and uh, we had a, 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 what was titled a conscientious objector. Uh, even though they were in the, they put them in the, uh, they put them in the uh, mess hall, you know, working uh, as a cook. Uh, that's an accommodation, right? That's exactly right. In fact, many people argued that uh, those 
conscientious objectors should not be accommodated because that meant that somebody else would have to step up and go on the, onto the front lines and perhaps take a bullet. But our country had long ago decided that those um, consciences ought to be accommodated even if it forced someone else to step up and do that job for them. Another thing that I'm hoping to accomplish in our time together today is uh, maybe some encouragement. Do you have any? Uh, is there a light? Is, uh, can, we, uh, can we have a little glimmer of hope here? Yes, because I think the Kim Davis story in Kentucky, uh, along with the wedding photographers and the bakers and the florists who are being fined uh, across the country, I think those stories are getting more and more into the conscience, consciousness of American Christians. And, and people of good faith, whether they're Christians or not, they're seeing this unfairness play out. And I think there's a groundswell of protection um, rising up. It hasn't translated into many states' laws yet, just the couple that I mentioned earlier. But uh, I think the last polling I saw said that it was about an 80 percent of Americans believe that the, the conscience of a person um, should trump um, same-sex marriage and being asked to perform a, a duty in on behalf of same-sex marriage. So there is a groundswell of opinion in America that religious liberty needs to be protected. It's just uh, at the very beginning stages of being played out in our legislatures. As I've been observer and a commentator uh, or more of an interviewer with people that are involved in many of these battles over the last uh, decade or so, I've always said, does common sense come into the law at any point? And, I, you know, obviously I say that in jest, but I think what's really happening now, more and more people are going, oh, yeah, this, is, this isn't right. This doesn't make any sense. Whereas, you know, before, unfortunately, uh, you know, Alan Sears from ADF, there were so many people, uh, Dr. Dobson, everybody were saying, this is what's going to happen. This is coming, people. But nobody really, not nobody, but uh, many said, ah, you know, that's not going to happen. And, you know, we saw it in Canada, focused on the family themselves, had to change many of their programs uh, as recent as uh, four years ago on topics because they were literally illegal to broadcast in Canada. Uh, it's not unheard of that these kinds of things are going to be stuff that we have to deal with here in the United States. This is, I think, just the beginning stage of, as you said, the greater body of Christ realizing, oh, yeah, this is an issue. I agree with that. And not as many people uh, in this country follow the news uh, as you and I do. And and they hear about this Kim Davis case, and, and perhaps they've never heard about any of the photographer or florist or cake baker's stories that have gone on in the last several years. So it's the cumulative effect of, of these stories, and, and uh, when it gets close to home, then everyone starts to hear about it. So uh, I'm confident this pendulum swing will go back the other way in, in, uh, with protection for uh, religious liberty, because right now it's an ideological battle which uh, needs to be won in the court of, a public, of public opinion. I think that the last time you and I spoke, I actually asked if the pendulum was at its apex yet or not. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that it might be swinging back to the norm now. I, I would think so. Uh, just based on the reactions that I see in the press from Christians, 
um, based on the, con- the, the info and the, uh, the contacts we have here at uh, Focus on the Family. But I don't know. It could get darker before it gets, <laughs> gets brighter. Again, it's one of those things where, as you said, being an observer of this for you know over a decade, we can really see the progression of the degradation of, uh, of values held uh, in our courts. And uh, us being specifically in the Ninth Circuit Court, boy, this has been a fun battle uh, for quite a few years here. Bruce, again, thank you for your insight. Thanks for your patience. And thanks for coming on Koinonia, where if somebody is wanting to find out more, wants to stay updated now that they realize that they need to, uh, what resources does Focus have? Yes, we have a social issues page on the Focus on the Family uh, com uh, webpage. And also you can find us on Facebook at Thriving Values. So please come and uh, join the discussion. Bruce, thanks for your time. Thank you, Tom. Less than 10 minutes left to enter in the captive pre-screening uh, event. I don't know what to call it. It's going to be uh, tonight. You can see the movie Captive before anyone else, but you got to send an email literally right now. Less than 10 minutes left. Win at faithtalk1360.com. Put captive in the subject line. For questions or comments, please email tom at faithtalk1360.com. That's tom at faithtalk1360.com.